welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, June 23rd, 2023. I'm your host, Brian Peterangelo, and welcome to the podcast. This past week, we celebrated Father's Day, so I hope all the dads out there got a chance to enjoy their day and spend time with family. With me today, I would like to introduce our panel of investment experts here to provide their insights on this week's market activity and more. George Mateo, Chief Investment Officer, Steve Haight, Head of Equities, and Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series, addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. In addition, if you have any questions or need more information, please reach out to your financial advisor. As we review this week's economic and market news, we had a short week and the number of economic releases were fairly quiet. So earlier in the week, we had housing starts, which were slightly better than expectations. Yesterday, we had initial unemployment claims and U.S. leading economic indicators. And in the middle of the week, we had Jay Powell in front of Congress talking about bank oversight as well as monetary policy. So we'll try to get Rajiv's take on that to see if we can glean any information. So let's jump straight to George in terms of any observations you had for the week. Anything was interesting or raised an eyebrow in terms of what you heard or saw, George? Well, Brian, I think the overall sense of where we are right now is still this theme about resilience, um, maybe even a bit of strength. Um, This past week, as you mentioned, we've seen some pretty strong numbers from the housing sector, despite the fact that many people thought the housing sector was uh, was dead to right. We saw some big, big uh, jump in housing starts, which is a pretty good indicator for housing activity. Uh, month over month gaining over 27%, which really was eye-popping. A lot of that is in multifamily, and so it's not uh, pure maybe housing as we think of it. But you can't refute the fact that housing has been quite strong. Um, existing sales were also pretty decent. Um, so again, the housing rebound, if you will, or resurgence uh, has been pretty, uh, pretty well documented. Even car sales have picked up again. And uh, you know, I've seen evidence more more of the time that the economy seems to be actually holding holding there quite well, despite some some headwinds that we've talked about on these podcasts and other places too. Um, we've been watching jobless claims quite closely. This is kind of a good way to track near term, uh, I guess, data points with respect to the the labor market, which is pretty important. And they've held in there. They are moving up a little bit, to be sure, but um, they haven't really spiked in a meaningful way. So I think that's one thing to watch. But overall, right now, the labor market still seems to be. Pretty decent, pretty healthy, um, and might be um, might be thing, the thing to watch going forward in our view, based on where uh, the the overall labor market tends to lead the economy and also lead the market, frankly. So you know, it's kind of interesting. I think we've got uh, we had a lot of uh, noise from the Federal Reserve this this past week that kind of reflected and maybe reiterated those those notions too that the economy uh, continues to to perform uh, probably better than expected. You know, actually, it's looking back over the last I guess 15, 16 months or so since the Federal Reserve started raising interest rates. You know, we've actually seen um, they, they've done a lot. I mean, they've, they've lifted rate, uh, short-term rates about 500 basis points, about five percentage points. Um, you know, the stock market initially, as we saw last year, was down 25 percent from from peak to drop. It's now up about 25 percent. Um, so over time, it can be roughly kind of thought of as a, as a flattish market. And some people now suggest this might be maybe the beginning of a new bull market in the sense that things have really started to kind of turn higher. We've talked about some broadening, if you will, and certainly the overall sentiment has been led by, by technology stocks. 
But Steve, I'm kind of curious in your view, do you think this is the beginning of a new bull market? Well, George, I mean, it, it's always uh, a little bit tenuous to call that. Uh, but, you know, when you take a look at the numbers, uh, clearly we're up 20% off of the lows. So, you know, from a any type of quantitative definition that people want to put together to call a bull market, it's a bull market. Um, so, you know, there could, the question is, uh, will the bull market broaden out to a broader array of assets than what it has so far? Because I, I, you and I and, and most market observers have been you know, very focused on the fact that the market has been uh, seeing its performance driven by a very narrow cadre of, of technology stocks. Um, largely due to the leverage that these names have to, to AI. Um, that has really been the theme of the year since probably what, February, I would say. You know, I think that chat GPT came into people's consciousness in February. Uh, so the rally off the lows got started last October. It really kind of was a, a defensive growth rotation with tech being leadership and defensive growth as it had been over the last five, six years. Um, and then we saw the baton get passed to the to the AI theme, and and it just added another leg to it. So um, that's kind of the story that got us to where we're at. You know, the 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 thing is though, that over the last month or so, we've seen the rally start to broaden out. We've seen the mega caps come off the boil a little bit. They haven't fallen apart whatsoever, uh, but they've just not had as much relative leadership. And that's part of the reason why we've seen the market pull back a little bit um, after we had the breakout through forty two hundred. Uh, but you know, I we 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 pay close attention to to both market internals and uh, external indicators such as volatilities, uh, like the, the the VIX index from Chicago uh, Board Options Exchange. And what really caught my attention this week is that even though the market has pulled back toward that 4,200 breakout area, we've continued to see the SIBO VIX just drop like a rock. So the VIX is at 13.3 as we sit this morning. Um, you know, that has just continued to move lower. If there was something nefarious about the pullback that we are currently seeing, uh, you would see volatility moving to the upside, not to the downside. So the fact that volatility is falling while the market's pulling back, to me, that is it shows that this consolidation of the market here is a very healthy thing. Uh, again, something that that should heart, hearten the bulls. Um, you know, when you think about fundamentals underpinning this, I, I point directly to the fact that earnings have continued to, to be revised higher uh, in terms of forward 12-month forecasts. Uh, that's right on the back of growth continuing to surprise to the upside for GDP because earnings are a, a, a function of nominal GDP growth. So as long as we're in that kind of a scenario with earnings numbers going to the upside, it's hard to be bearish the stock market, George. So you mentioned this thing called the VIX, and maybe not all of our listeners know what, what that really is, um, but in shorthand, I guess it is a measure of volatility. And I think you said that right now that level is about 13. Um, you know, put that in context for us in the sense of, you know, where, 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 how low can it go, I guess, or, and maybe what does it say about complacency? You know, I think if you look at maybe the, the inverse of that, typically, I guess what, when, when the VIX spikes above, you know, 30, maybe 35, 40 or something like that, that's probably probably a point of maximum pessimism, right? Where people are really throwing in the towel, capitulating, those type of things. And that might be a time to lean into um, assets, you know, it's kind of hold your nose and buy kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you're back down here in the teens, does it suggest that things are too complacent? 
there are there are some signs of complacency, George, and a low VIX is one of them. Uh, there have been some sentiment measures lately that have that have gotten to levels that have started to say that investors are participating um, in a way that is uh, fairly uh, complacent. Another thing, another options derived indicator that I look at is the put call ratio, right? So, like typically, investors spend money buying puts to protect to the downside and, and they, they, they don't tend to buy as many calls. And lately, if you, if you get rid of the time period around the, the, COVID, um, the, the, the COVID period, which was influenced by all kinds of meme stocks and, and a bunch of other weird business, um, if you X that period out, over the last 10 years, we've, we've really not seen uh, levels of optimism in terms of call buying that we're reaching today. So that that tells you that people are complacent and they're starting to think that there's there's more to the upside. And Anna, it's part of the reason why we were not surprised to see the market pull back here. You've got to have some kind of a of a a, a refresh or a, a recycle in, in technical terms, where where you get people to to start to get a little bit of pessimism back into the to the market. And then that gives us the proverbial wall of worry to climb. You've got a really interesting key question I thought this week. You want to talk about that for a second? Maybe tell me your thoughts on, on AI more specifically? Yeah, my colleague Valentina Pixayeva took the lead on it. Um, and, and I fin finished it up with a few thoughts about the bubble period. But you know, we we laid out for investors in basic terms what the, the AI situation is in the market, how it came to be, what it does, um, and how we think that the, the market is, is being influenced by this, and, and also you know, whether or not this is a, a, a bubble. And I think that our, our conclusion is that while there are, are similarities to the period of time uh, during the, the late 90s and early 2000s, mainly in terms of valuation uh, and uh, you know this idea that the total addressable market for uh, for for AI right now, in some people's uh, estimation, is infinity. <laughs> you know that that that's that's kind of the the comp. That's but, a big number. <laughs> yeah, infinity is a big number, right? But um, but but really, uh, the, there there is is not the level of froth and broad speculation that we saw uh, back in the two thousands. So. Um, you know, we think that this this is a, a transformational technology. Uh, it has legs as a theme, uh, but investors need to tread carefully uh, around the individual securities that are involved with it. And you know, you you've been a very uh, uh, astute, George, in, in saying that you know maybe some of the companies that have the ability to benefit from implementing the technology over time may end up being the bigger winners here. Uh, on a on a percentage basis, um, and you know that can maybe even influence small cap relative performance. Yeah, we'll see. So thanks, Steve. And again, uh, great job you and Valentina for putting that together. I thought it's a really uh, really great piece. You know, uh, shifting subject a little bit, Rajiv. Steve mentioned that the market has been somewhat influenced by this this AI movement. Uh, it seems to me that the bond market has been influenced by the Fed, and in particular, Jay Powell's out this past week, giving giving an update. Um, kind of coming into this, it seems as if the market was kind of trying to challenge the Fed a little bit by saying, you know, you really don't have to do much more with respect to interest rates. Maybe you've done enough. Uh, maybe you should start cutting sometime pretty soon. What was your takeaway? What was your read through from, from Powell's testimony to Congress this week? Uh, that's a very good point, uh, George. I mean, you know, you know, we had the FOMC meeting last week and uh, at that meeting, uh, you know, it was kind of a hawkish pause, which we talked about 
And we talked about uh, the Fed talking about two more uh, rate hikes, 25 basis points. So Powell had a testimony this week to Congress, and he stressed that the uh, speed of rate hikes is a separate issue from the terminal rate. And he reiterated, he reiterated that uh, he really feels that uh, the Fed needs to continue to combat inflation, continue to do what they need to do with raising interest rates. If you look at the dot plots from what we saw last week, you'll see that uh, many members also feel that uh, we need to raise rates more, uh, maybe even uh, 50 basis points this year. Now, the volatility part of it is that the, the market uh, feels that there'll at least be one rate cut maybe by the end of the year. And I think that this is, this is uh, continued to re, um, it's continued to cause uh, volatility in the market. It's continued to cause a dislocation between what the Fed is saying and what the market is expecting. And the Fed continues to say that they would aim to get inflation down to a point where people won't have to reason it or think about it. And I think that the most important thing here is that the Fed is, uh, there's a lot of Fed members, they're gonna all be speaking in the next few weeks and they're all gonna be saying the same thing, that we need to continue to combat inflation. We may need to continue to have two more rate hikes. Right now, the probability of a July, uh, 25 basis point rate hike is around 70, 74%. And I think the market is trying to digest that. Uh, the market really does not think that, uh, you know, they don't really agree with what uh, the Fed is saying. And I think there's a really big dislocation there. And we've, we've talked about this before. We've talked about the volatility that's caused by this dislocation. And, and I think that uh, there's going to be a lot of Fed speakers that are going to try to uh, bridge that gap and it's not going to be very easy. We saw the impact on the yield curve. Uh, yields in the front end, they all rose in the front end, uh, not only because of the FOMC meeting, but really based on uh, Fed Chair Powell's uh, um, testimony this week. And I think uh, we saw the impact on the front end uh, pretty starkly. Now, we also uh, saw the Bank of England uh, step up their fight against inflation, uh, and they decided that... Uh, they were going to raise benchmark uh, interest rates by a half percentage point. This was very unexpected. Uh, they continue to step up against the inflation. They're going to do what they got to do against inflation. I don't think this is going to influence the Fed's uh, decision going forward, but it is pretty stark that uh, you'll see a Bank of England uh, raise 50 basis points. So do you think that the Federal Reserve and, and central banks um, maybe are likely to keep raising rates until next year? I mean, how, I guess if you think, I mean, the market is clearly saying, as you pointed out, that uh, they should be done, or they are about done. Uh, but it seems as if, you know, this inflation situation is still in our face a little bit. It's come down for sure, but it's not really come down in some key categories. And maybe, I think it probably will continue to, to fall a little bit further. But do you think there's a chance that the Federal Reserve might actually have to kind of keep their foot in the gas through next year? Uh, I think the Federal Reserve is going to really uh, keep their eye on data. And I think if unemployment continues to be pretty resilient and not, we don't see this huge spike in unemployment, I think the Fed Reserve uh, continues to uh, do whatever they can to bring the inflation down. Uh, they're still not at their mandate, uh, which they want to see. And we could see ourselves going into next year. But uh, it's really hard to fight against the Fed. Uh, we've talked about this before. You never want to fight against the Fed. But the market has uh, really felt that, you know, we should be having a rate cut soon. 
And the only way that's going to happen is we see unemployment start to climb up or some recessionary scenario, which we haven't really seen yet. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Rajiv. I think that's probably the thing to kind of watch in terms of the short-term indicators. I mean, there's a lot of things we do pay attention to for sure, but uh, that's why we mentioned, I think, jobless claims at the onset, right? I think that's a kind of a good early warning signal that maybe things are getting worse for the labor market. And that number, again, is probably 260,000. So it's not inconsequential that 260,000 Americans filed for unemployment insurance last week. Um, but typically, when you see that number move above 325,000, roughly, you know, it's not a hard number, but you know, kind of the low mid threes or so, and it stays there for a while, that usually seems to be kind of the tipping point. So, you know, we'll have to pay attention to that. I, again, for the moment, I think just kind of being neutral towards risk makes a ton of sense. You know, we're not taking a big bearish bet, but we're not bullish, uh, uber bullish either. Um, there are a lot of great things happening in the economy. There's also some headwinds that we have to contend with. And the least of you know, which is, the, of course, that the, the Federal Reserve, as you mentioned, has been very aggressive at uh, taking liquidity out of the system, tightening lending, lending standards and conditions. Uh, and that's going to have a, a ripple effect in the economy in the sense it's going to slow things down in all likelihood going forward. So again, until next time, I think we'll kind of wrap it up there. Uh, again, focus on, on maintaining a, a neutral, neutral towards risk kind of bias, uh, maintaining a really um, heavy emphasis on quality and really staying diversified uh, so that we can we stay on whatever comes our way next. Well, thanks for the conversation today, George, Steve, and Rajiv. We appreciate your insights. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Runners podcast through your favorite podcast app. As always, past performance is no guarantee of future results, and we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information, and we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, key private client, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, a member of FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Key Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, a member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency USA Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investments in insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. eBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decision. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2023.